Search engine marketing formulated for Web 2.0. Find it here every week on SEM Synergy. Join your host as we learn from the elite of search engine marketing pros and find the winning formula for exceptional search engine marketing. Get the latest news, trends, and analysis in SEO, PPC, branding, SEO design, and analytics. Now, welcome your host, a founding father of SEO and an accomplished search engine marketing scholar, the host of SEM Synergy, Bruce Clay. Hello, welcome to SEM Synergy. This is your weekly digital marketing podcast from Bruce Clay, Inc., Bruce is in Japan today, lucky guy. So I'm Virginia Nessie. I'm the content and media manager here, and also David Zatella. He's co-author of Pay-Per-Click Marketing, An Hour a Day, and the VP of Search Marketing Operations here at the company, and Christy Kellogg, a content writer and social media specialist, and Rob Ramirez, SEO manager. This is the perfect panel for today's show, where we'll take a closer look at some news in social media and paid search advertising. Okay, first, though, Bruce is in Japan, so I thought I would ask, what's the coolest country you've been to, and then what's the country that you would want to go to next that you haven't been to? For me, I guess my most exotic answer here would be the Philippines. I just went this past June to Manila. Uh, My mom's family's all on that side, so I've got aunts and uncles and cousins, and Manila is a crazy, bustling metropolitan in the third world. But also, we went to Palawan, which is the kind of like tropical island paradise that you see in the movies. It's so beautiful, bath water, warm ocean, and clear waters where you can go snorkeling and see all those fish that you see in the aquariums. That was a really awesome trip. If I were to pick somewhere to go next, maybe I'd pick a different kind of um, equatorial paradise of Australia or New Zealand. And I guess that's just on my mind because my family, my in-laws keep talking about going there and they have for a while. So it would be neat if we could make that happen. Hey, David, where would you go? Or where have you been? Let's see. Where would I go? Does it have to be someplace I haven't been yet? Okay. Well, where's the coolest place that you have been? Coolest place I've ever been is Iceland. Like literally coldest? (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't that cold, actually. The people were wonderful. The terrain is just out of this world. It was, uh, the Aurora Aurora Borealis was kind of special, too. Wow. And then where do you want to go next? Well, we're going back to Iceland this year. Our, Our bucket list has... In uh, the next position, Florence and Venice. Awesome. Yeah. Rob? The coolest place I've been is Cuba. That was very, very awesome. Christy just, like, about flew across the table. (laughs) Yeah, I got to travel there uh, on an educational visa. I was there for, like, two weeks. When? Oh, this was a while ago, many moons ago. Like in college? Yeah, this was, like, over 10 years ago, even a little longer than that. So that was incredible. Cuba's a fascinating country, obviously. And as far as where I'd like to go to, I guess, you know, bucket list type stuff, French Riviera, Mediterranean Sea, Greek islands, like anywhere in there. I'm not picky. <laughs> I just <laughs> I just want to swim in the Mediterranean. That would be really nice. Cool. The neatest place I've ever been, I guess, is Paris. That's super beautiful. And there's all those gardens and museums. And it's fun to hear everyone speak a different language. And if I had to go somewhere else, I suppose I would pick Argentina or Cuba or Rio de Janeiro. Because in any of those places, you could study 
specific types of dance, like where they came from. So that would be really fun. So I'm jealous of Rob, I guess. <laughs> That's fun, guys. So speaking of exotic locations, let's bring it back home to the new tools that Facebook's offering local businesses through the local insights, which is analytics that they've enhanced. But I thought we could even look a little bit more at the local awareness ads. The, the news is that if you've got at least five locations, you can run an ad campaign on Facebook where you dynamically insert the location. So the example they give is if you have a ca cafe with multiple locations in the Bay Area, then depending on where people are seeing the ad, in Menlo Park, they would see join us for lunch in Menlo Park. And in San Francisco, they would see join us for lunch in San Francisco. And call to action buttons are also dynamic. So when someone clicks on call now or get directions, they're connected to the store that's currently closest to them. This is really uh, important because there's a stat in this marketing land article, 93% of retail sales continue to happen in physical stores. And 80% of Facebook's ad revenue now comes from mobile, which is, and they're also the mobile set is the most engaged users. So, yeah, I mean, this is uh, fascinating stuff and obviously a very clear indication of where we're headed. Uh, Facebook is trying to to leverage how often people go and, and visit that social media platform. I, I saw a, a crazy stat today. It said that one-seventh of the internet population visits Facebook every day. Um, you know, that's that's a high percentage of people are constantly engaging and on Facebook. And obviously, they're doing so more and more on their mobile phones, which is really kind of... Uh, Obviously, the, the, the place that Google seems to be driving folks, uh, you know, that mobile interaction, uh, the mobile experience is, is kind of paramount. It's at the top of the list of things that people are trying to get right and top of the list of things that people are trying to monetize as well. And Facebook's obviously joining into the fray. David, did you have any thoughts when you saw this news about this new kind of opportunity for Facebook ads? Well, I think it's one of a growing number of opportunities for local businesses from basically all the platforms, and it's very good to see. I, I, I like the fact that it allows small businesses to get into the game without losing a lot of money or spending a lot of money to learn. Facebook, uh, I recently learned you can get a beacon from Facebook, which means that you basically send out a signal from your brick and mortar location. And then if somebody, a user has, you know, a Facebook, somehow they get a message from your, your business that, you know, you have a special offer or invite an invitation to come into the store and learn more about Facebook beacons as well as other kinds of beacons that are available to businesses in a recent um, interview with Casey Marquis. He also spoke at PubCon, I believe it was. That was a good session. And Christy, you interviewed him. So as we're talking about beacons and other the local aware technologies that are allowing marketers to speak to mobile users in a new way, were there any like highlights or you know takeaways for you? Yeah, definitely. The thing we have to remember is even though, well, okay, this is a, a statistic from Business Insider Journal. There are less than 500,000 beacons installed in America right now, but they predict that that's going to explode to 4.5 million by 2018. So the business world is anticipating 
an explosion, right? And then everybody's going to have, you know, wearables of some kind, and we're going to be able to market to them with this technology. So it's best to get ahead of the game. So I guess that was my biggest takeaway that even though we don't see everybody wearing, you know, an Apple watch right now, like something is coming if it's a watch or something else, and then we have to be ready. So what Casey said was some of the most common ways you can use this technology is to offer a special when you know a user is nearby, like we just talked about. It could also be that instead of having a docent in a museum, your watch or your phone is telling you what an art piece is about as you walk by it. So those were some of the cool uses that you can do with this technology. Near-field communication is definitely something that a lot of advertisers are very interested in kind of exploring and, and leveraging. There's still a barrier there, right? It's not going to work on every phone everywhere. We're, we're not at the place where I'm walking down the street and the burger joint down the street sends me a, a coupon for you know 20% off my meal uh, in order to try and get me to patronize their business. You, you still need to, and Christy, the example of the, um, the museum is a good example. You know, you need to install some kind of app. There needs to be some kind of interaction from your end to kind of opt into this type of experience. So there is a barrier there, right? Having said that, you know, you're seeing it more and more and even in malls, right? Download our app. We're going to send you specials. Um, and I think the more that businesses take advantage of it, uh, everyone likes a deal, you know? So, so the more of those offers that end up out there, the better off you're going to be. I'm waiting for someone to leverage this on Black Friday. Think of what a great way to get your app installed on uh, all the phones that are near or in your location already. But we're, we're not quite there yet. But I think it's, it's definitely coming very soon, clearly. Rob just mentioned that Yext rolled out a new yeah, beacon project? Yeah, Yext announced uh, SMX East, I guess it was, that they are offering a free beacon to, to businesses, basically, that you can install in your store and use. So, you know, the, the technology is cheap enough. Uh, these things are readily available. Uh, it's just a matter of leveraging them uh, because there are, like I said, some barriers to actually being able to interact with the beacon. Uh, you need to have, you know, Bluetooth on. You need to opt into the experience. Um, it's not just going to be the type of thing where it's just broadcasting and you pick it up. You need to have uh, an app installed that can actually identify the signal and then kind of um, interpret it and display it on your phone. But that's why so many people are uh, so many different major entities like Yext, like Google, right? which has their own kind of beacon uh, technology that they're trying to kind of advance and, and put out there, um, are, are so interested in getting into this game because it really is going to change the way I think that uh, small businesses advertise to consumers who happen to be walking by their stores. You know, it's it's the digital version of putting a billboard out in front of your shop or, or a sandwich board, right? Uh, which is something that people have been doing uh, for a long time. And now they're going to be able to do it. Folks that are really close to them and are definitely uh, likely to come into the store if inspired to do so. Certainly if somebody has, I would think with this Yext beacon that they would need like a Yext app. So that would make sense from Yext's perspective. They want to get more people on their network. But uh, Facebook seems like a real easy, obvious choice since basically everybody's on Facebook. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, everyone has that app installed already. So one less barrier uh, to being included there. I'm, I've yet to see what, what I interpret as 
location aware offer through Facebook myself. Right. And, and, but we're headed there. I think we're definitely headed there. And, you know, there is like a privacy concern, right? People get a little touchy about that subject about, you know, I don't want people, I don't want businesses or advertisers to know where I am, what I'm doing at any moment. So there are people that shut down all of those kind of outside signals and they don't want to be a part of that. I think the difference is though, once the offers are out there and once some things that are really kind of valuable are uh, exclusively offered to just the people that are opting into this experience, then those barriers are going to fall and people are going to start to opt in. Uh, so it's just a matter of time. You know, people need to, uh, I think, uh, advertisers and marketers need to kind of lead the way here and uh, really kind of invest uh, in this type of thing. And uh, it could really catch on if, if they do. When they do. I take that back. When they do. When they do. Yeah, it will, it will happen. It's, it's only a matter of time. I agree. Uh, start thinking creatively in terms of making, giving, uh, creating messages that aren't creepy. <laughs> um, so next we'll look at another ad platform, the Google Display Network. We'll talk to David, who will share tips on targeting for GDN. Display advertising, as you may know, requires some adapting. It's not the same ad, uh, environment as AdWords. So we're going to take a quick two-minute break to hear a word from our sponsors, but stay right there. More SEM Synergies on the way. Don't go away. SEM Synergy will be right back. Reinventing keyword research, simplifying campaign optimization, redefining competitive analysis. SpyFu brings you an entirely new way to find the most profitable keywords for your SEO and PPC campaigns. New tools, new data, and a brand new look. We've streamlined SpyFu so that you can optimize your search engine marketing more efficiently, more accurately, and more intuitively. Visit SpyFu.com, that's S-P-Y-F-U.com, and start downloading your competitors' keywords now. Try it free. Hey, this is Danny Sullivan to talk to you about Bruce Clay Incorporated. They've made Inc. Magazine's list of growing private businesses and have exhibited and sponsored at my conferences since the very beginning. You've seen their search engine relationship chart or you've read their SEO code of ethics, so you know their SEO experts. But did you know they can help you with PBC, web analytics, web design, marketing strategy, promotion, and branding? Yep, get everything you need for success in the online marketplace. You can check it out from the professionals at Bruce Clay Incorporated. For over 10 years with offices worldwide, they've got the answers you need. Check them out today at BruceClay.com. Whether you are an online business or domain name investor, you need access to the best names. With over 270 million domains already registered, finding the right names at the best price requires a great wingman. Namejet.com puts you in the pilot seat by giving you fast and unparalleled access to some of the best premium and expired domain names on earth. As the number one domain name auction platform, Namejet.com is the best place to find domains for your business or investment. So light the afterburners to the domain name aftermarket and fly over to Namejet.com at mock speed to get great domains today. Namejet.com. Finding links to improve your rankings in the search engines is time-consuming and frustrating for many of us. The Hoth is the go-to company to help lighten your link-building load. Their white-label SEO was made specifically for agencies, in-house SEOs, and affiliates. 
The Hoff also offers high-quality custom local citation building to improve search rankings in Google's Maps and localized results, providing fulfillment for some of the largest SEO companies in the world. The Hoff offers link and citation building services you can trust. Get $20 in link building or citation building credits free by going to thehoff.com slash radio. T-H-E-H-O-T-H dot com slash radio. Search engine marketing formulated for Web 2.0. You're listening to SEM Synergy on webmasterradio.fm. Hi, welcome back to SEM Synergy. I'm Virginia Nussie, and we're also here with David Vitella, Rob Ramirez, and Christy Kellogg, your guides on today's social media and search advertising journey. Okay, so I read a headline on Marketing Land this morning. It was an article by Mona Alicelli. I don't know how to say her name. I know that you've been, Saley. On, you Saley. Right. You've been on panels with her before, David, especially uh, in most recently PubCon AdWords Mistakes to Avoid, right? Right. That was me. So you and Mona, you're tight. And her article is Targeting on Google's Display Network, the Lowdown on Layering. It starts this way. Historically, the GDN has limited features, and it's been impossible to fine-tune and narrowly target segments. But today, there are more ways that advertisers can target people and users interested in buying products or services. So this is super promising. So I shared this link with you, and you were like, I'm going to respectfully disagree with Mona's opinion. Uh, the only thing I disagree with her about is layering, um, and it's not really a disagreement. It's uh, it's it's a technique that only the expert should employ because it's so easy to get it wrong. And I, as a matter of fact, uh, one of the most frequent AdWords mistakes that I see is improper layering of targeting methods for the Google Display Network. So all I'm saying is. Uh, if you're a beginner, just listening in for uh, your your first exposure to the Google Display Network, just forget about layering for now. <laughs> okay, so cool? maybe we should back it up a little bit. What is layering? Okay, layering is using more than one targeting method for the Google Display Network ads. So, for example... Um, one might layer placement targeting with keywords. So what you're saying to Google is, show my ads on pages that I specify as placements, um, but only on pages that include uh, keywords like these. So if the, if the placements are uh, very broad properties like uh, New York Times, Wall Street Journal, uh, you might want to target pages within the property and you would do that by layering placements and keywords. Okay, so what are the ways to target on the Google Display Network? Well, I'm going to start with, uh, I, I, care, I actually bucket the targeting methods into two categories. One is um, ads on sites. I won't call it site targeting because that's what placement targeting used to be called. But ads on sites, and then there was... Uh, other category is ads in front of people. So ads on, targeting for ads on sites means uh, the advertiser has a good idea of the types of sites uh, where their, their target audience frequents. Uh, 
and um, uh, can define that by by a, a target from the list that Google supplies, or by picking certain sites uh, just by knowing that they they're they're frequented by your target audience, uh, or by using the display planner tool within Google that uh, suggests sites given a list of keywords that you input. So the very first type of targeting in this category is contextual targeting by keywords, also known as keyword targeting. This was the very first uh, type of targeting available for Google Display Network ads. And um, it's, it's probably responsible for a lot of the uh, confusion and uh, difficulty that advertisers have traditionally had with the Google Display Network. Uh, the confusion comes about because keywords in Display Network uh, campaigns act much differently than keywords in search campaigns. So the, when, you, when you list keywords in an ad group that's targeting the Google Display Network, Google interprets that as um, place my ads on sites within your network that contain words similar to these, these words and other words that are similar. So um, the, the difficulty comes about because uh, frequently advertisers who, don't, who aren't familiar with the Google Display Network simply copy their search campaigns over into Google Display Network campaigns. And in those search campaigns, they have too many ad, uh, too many keywords per ad group for, for the display network, uh, and I'll explain what that means in a second. And they also have negative keywords. Well, it turns out that negative keywords in, in any kind of display network campaign uh, are a bad idea. And the reason is because negative keywords tell Google, show my ad on according to this targeting uh, method that I'm using, but show, don't show my ad on any pages that contain any of these keywords. And frequently, the list of key, negative keywords is uh, perfectly appropriate for pages that, where you want to show your ads. So it tends to greatly restrict the number of people that you can reach. And frequently, when you see restricted uh, traffic and remarketing campaigns, for example, or just keyword-targeted campaigns, the reason is that there are negative keywords included. So positive keywords, again, tell Google, place my ads on sites uh, that whose, whose content uh, contains these keywords and words like them. Now, that, it, it obtains the broadest reach uh, by virtue of the fact that uh, Google does a good job at finding a lot of sites. Uh, it comes with a caveat, though, and that is that the the algorithm of, that, that uh, matches keywords to sites uh, is frequently uh, imprecise. In other words, uh, your ads go on sites that don't have anything to do with the audience you're trying to reach. And uh, for that reason, click-through rates and conversion rates tend to be very low when you're using uh, keyword targeting. So if you want broad reach, that's great, uh, but be prepared to uh, frequently comb through the list of placements that you're getting to and uh, where your ads are being displayed and uh, using negative placements to tell Google, don't show my ad in these placements anymore because they're not performing well for me. 
So what's the difference between keyword targeting and topic targeting? Well, with topic targeting, uh, Google supplies a list of topics of sites. It could be uh, games, uh, game sites. It could be fashion sites. It could be uh, sites for people that, that are crazy about automobiles. Mm. And the advertiser gets to choose which topic or topics to target with their, with their ads. So this is a, kind of a simplified way of getting the same effect you would get through keyword targeting. Uh, you just pick a topic, write a, an ad that is uh, tailored for that topic, and Google will put, put the ads on the appropriate uh, pages within its display network. Uh, unfortunately, topic targeting is also a little imprecise, and Google tends to place ads on uh, sites that don't match the, tar- the topic. So again, it's, it's incumbent on the advertiser to comb through the list of uh, sites and placements that are actually uh, showing ads and prune out the ones that uh, the placements that are not performing well. Okay, so at the beginning of this, you kind of gave us two buckets. You said that there was site targeting and then there was audience targeting, like or in front of the audience kind of targeting? Yes. Um, we are kind of winding down on our time, so I guess I wanted to find out big tips. Okay. Big tip number one, um, get to know custom affinity audiences. Uh, this is the most powerful and... Uh, well, the most powerful uh, uh, targeting method available. It's the newest as well. And uh, you'll get, advertisers can get click-through rates and conversion rates that are approaching uh, remarketing and even search. Hmm. Site category exclusions, look into that too, because uh, uh, they're a little hard to find. They're at the bottom right as you scroll down through uh, your campaign targeting. And uh, they let the advertiser exclude certain topics like sexually suggestive sites, like um, war sites, and, and other sites where the advertiser might not want their ads to appear. Mm. So definitely check that out. Your ads might be appearing on sites that uh, might be objectionable to the company or the clients. So, David, really quickly, um, of all of the issues that you see with, with GDN targeting, um, how, do you see things too broad or too narrow? And which is worse, right? Um, I'm curious to know, in your experience anyways. Yeah, too broad is definitely worse than too narrow. Um, simply because, you, you know, you, you're constantly having to play whack-a-mole. In other words... Your ads appear on sites where you don't want them. You exclude them. A month later, there are more sites that uh, you have to exclude because you're, they're, they're not related to your, your tar- target. So in my opinion, too broad is really difficult to manage, very time-consuming to manage, and, and is destined to lose money, whereas uh, too refined, you're at least assured that you're, you're hitting the sweet spot of your target audience. Those are some good overall lessons in the Google Display Network. Thank you for sharing those, David. My pleasure.
That was great. Well, we're out of time, so we hope you enjoyed today's show. Please be sure to subscribe through your podcast app to get new episodes of SEM Synergy delivered straight to you each week. For more from the Bruce Clay team, visit bruceclay.com slash blog. You'll find an important article by Rob on link building, and we may just talk about that more next week on the show. Have a great week, and see you next time on SEM Synergy. This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs, on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.WebmasterRadio.fm. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.